0: Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. Hey, if you guys have a Bible with you, this morning. Go ahead and get that out. Uh, If you're new to church, maybe it's your first time to church ever, or your first time to church in a while, and you didn't bring a Bible, no sweat, um, we want to invite you to use your phone or tablet, and uh, you can download an app. So I use an app called YouVersion, that's Y-O-U version, that you can download and uh, follow along um, with the scriptures. And I want to encourage you guys to do that today, because yeah, we'll probably have it on the screen for you, but um, there's just something about being able to follow along personally, so that you can take notes, and you you can highlight and you can know in your Bible where you're at, all right? So, um, hey, let's uh, go ahead and turn with me to the book of John chapter 17. John chapter 17, and I'll tell you what verse in a second, all right? But just get to John 17 and hang out for a second. I'm going to kind of... Um, talk a little bit about what we've been talking about and catch you up to speed a little bit. But we're going to be hanging out in John 17 today, okay? Um, now, we've got, we're in the middle of this uh, new sermon series um, called Send Me... And what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks is really what is missions and what does it look like um, to be a church that's on mission or or a follower of Jesus that's on mission? Like, what does that mean? What's that look like? And the bottom line is, here's what I've learned about church. What I've learned is that when we say words at church, we just assume that they mean the same thing to everybody and they don't, okay? So when we say the word missions, immediately everybody gets a word picture in their head. Okay, now I don't know what your word picture is. Uh, Maybe it was giving out shoes or handing out snow cones. Maybe you're in a different country, right? Like everybody gets this word picture of the word missions. And the fact is, I felt like we as a church, we could talk about missions, talk about missions, and we might actually all be talking about completely different things. So what we decided to do is let's take a few weeks this summer, and let's not just say what is impact's definition of missions. I I was uh, listening to uh, another fellow pastor, and um, he was like, oh, we're doing thing on missions too, and you know, there's really no way to define it, so we're just saying what missions is for our church. And I was like, well, actually, that's interesting, because I have a book that's like all about missions and like clearly defines it right you know and they're like oh i've probably read it i'm like i hope so um, because it is called the holy bible and uh and so what we want to do as a church we just want to open up the bible go through it and figure out okay god what is your word save that missions is because we don't want to recreate it we want to align our lives with god's word Okay, so we're not trying to like twist and turn God's word to adapt to our definition. We want to adapt our lives to what God's word says missions is. So um, this summer is actually a really special summer for me. I've been reflecting on this over the last couple of weeks, but this summer I officially mark 20 years in ministry. Um, Yeah, I know it's amazing. I know I don't look that old. Thank you. Um, But I I am indeed that old. And I have been uh, in ministry this summer marks my uh, 20th year serving in ministry. Now, I was not a pastor 20 years ago, um, but I served on church staff. And in ministry, and uh, that that was kind of my first my first time to do that. And um, but then my relationship with ministry got kind of got kind of weird. So even though I've been doing ministry for 20 years, I haven't exactly been all into ministry for 20 years. Um, I kind of it was like a good side hustle for a little bit. It was kind of just a thing that I did on the side, and I wanted to honor God and do that. But I also felt like I had other you know gifts to give to the world, uh, as Brandon. Hembry And I was going to go do that and um, and then just kind of honor God on the side and, um, and do that. But I, I had my main dish over here of what I was going to do. And I was going to go into politics and do all of this stuff. And so Anyway, so it hasn't been always like 20 years of incredible, like all-in ministry. In fact, I want to introduce you to somebody today, um, and I want to introduce you, and this isn't quite 20 years ago, but I want to introduce you, I couldn't find a picture that was any older than this because they're all still on disposable cameras, but um, I wanted to, you guys know what that, those are? Okay, just making sure some of you are like, what's a disposable camera? Um, and, uh, and so this is 2007 Brandon. There he is. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? That, <laughs> welcome home, buddy. That is 2007 West right there. Wes and I go way back. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, as I've been reflecting on uh, my, the last 20 years of my life being in ministry and serving the Lord Jesus, um, this is actually my senior year of college, so Wes, I guess you were a sophomore in college, and, um, and so uh, I just remember like looking back at that, and, uh, and I, I can't help but think, when I think of like, my time in ministry, take the picture down, they're all, they're, take the picture down, good grief, good grief grow up people okay everybody's like he didn't have a beard what is that um so uh <laughs> but growing up like being in ministry and doing those things it wasn't always easy but west was actually um a good friend of mine all throughout college and and really one of the things is is God just had it be that west was there for most of my whining moments most of my my moments where I'm like lord I don't want to do this anymore or, okay, I'll do this, but I'm not doing it anymore, you know? And so what would often happen is people would come up to me and they would say, um, you know, Brandon, what are you going to do? Or what are you studying? And they just assumed because I was in ministry that I was like studying Biblical studies or Christian studies or whatever. And so they'd say, so you're a Christian studies major? And I'd say, no, actually, I'm a political science major, and I don't appreciate the disrespect. And so they would say, well, what do you, what do you mean? Like, what, you're doing politics, but you're a minister? And I'm like, well, yeah, like I do ministry, but I'm going into politics. And they would give me the side eye, like, what? You're doing what? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then they would always ask me this question. This question, Wes, it ticked me off more than any other question people would ask me. And they would say this, well, but don't you think you're called to ministry? And that question, like, really ticked me off, because then I would get all philosophical, and I'd be like, well, I don't know, who really knows if they're called to ministry? Like, who knows if they're called, like, I haven't had a burning bush moment, like, I don't know, who knows really what they are called to do, you know? And, and so I would always make all of these excuses about calling, but let me tell you the root of why I didn't want to be called to missions, to, want to wasn't that I had a problem with the word calling. The problem was that I did not want to be called to missions uh, or to be in ministry. And the reason, and I'm just going to be very blunt with you, and you may all be like, oh, I can't believe he's like that. But just, you got to remember, this was that Brandon, okay? But he says, but here's the thing, like, I, I wanted to make a lot of money. And I'll just be honest with you, like, I am so thankful for the provision that God has made through this church for me and my family, but uh, their sacrifices have been made, okay? Like, like, ministry is not something you get into because it's super lucrative, okay? And if it is, run away from that church, okay? Like, uh, don't, you don't want to be a part of that. So, um, but I wanted to make money, and every pastor, every minister that I knew growing up in Mississippi was poor, Okay? They were poor. They usually lived in a house that was owned by the church so that the church could control them and every aspect of their life. And I just didn't want any part of that. So I was like, well, I can still do ministry, but I ain't about that life. Like, I don't want that. Um, I also didn't like to think I was called to ministry because um, I just assumed that to be a missionary or in ministry, you had to live in other countries. Like, what if I say, yes, God, I am called, I surrender to your calling, and then he makes me move to another country? Like, because I, like, listen, um, you know, and I I pulled it all out. God, there are people who need Jesus right here. There are people who need Jesus right where I'm at. I don't want you to call me to another country. And if I say yes, I know you're going to do that. And you know how I knew? Because I didn't want him to do it. And that's usually how we work with God, right? Like, we're scared God is going to make us do the one thing we don't want to do. And so, so I was worried about that. also thought, well, missionaries can't have other jobs. So if God calls me to be in missions or in ministry, then I'm giving up ever being able to do anything else with my life. Um, I, and to be honest, I didn't want my plans to be inconvenienced. Like, I had plans, okay? I had one-year plans, five-year plans, 10-year plans, 20-year plans, 30-year plans. I knew what year I was running for president. I had everything down, all right? I had it all going, and I just, surrendering to a calling would mean my plans might get inconvenienced. Um, To be honest, I was already serving in ministry, so if I believed that I was called, I I would have to become like a professional, I was like, man, I don't want to be a professional minister. Those guys are stuffy. Those guys wear, wear suit and ties all the time. Joke's on them, right? Like, they're, they're doing that all the time. And I, that, I'm not about that life. So I don't want to do that. Like, if I'm called, I'm going to have to become this stuffy professional that nobody really even likes or that's boring. Um, I thought, well, I can't be called to ministry because I'm not even a Christian studies major. So I'll have a degree and it's going to say politics and not ministry on it. And no church will ever hire me. And that might be true. So I just start my own. And then this one, <laughs> and then the But the bottom line is, is that I just had a, a whole lot of insecurities. I had a lot of insecurities about myself and about who I was in God's eyes. And so I want to I just share this with you today, guys. We're going to be talking about the words of Jesus, because I don't want to talk about this idea of being sent or being called in a metaphorical sense. I want to go straight to Jesus and say, Jesus, what did you say? How do you see us? What does this look like? And my hope and prayer is that maybe through this, we can dispel some of the Um, things that are not true about being called or about missions or about ministry that maybe you have preconceived notions of the same that I had preconceived notions of. Um, And so hopefully we can do some of that today. But um, so if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this word. Write down the word mission. Write down the word mission or type it into your phone. The word mission. The word mission is A lot of people, I've I've had people tell me, well, Brandon, I don't believe in missions. I don't believe in missionaries. Those words are nowhere in the Bible. And uh, the truth is, uh, you're right, because the Bible was not written in English. But the, the, the word that we get mission from is all throughout the Bible. And it's actually where we get the word sent, okay, or send. And so the word mission, we get from the Latin word missio, and the Latin word missio means, does anybody know? To send, okay, to send. So when we see in the Bible things that say you are sent or I am sending you, that is the exact same version of our English version of the word mission or missions, okay? So it is not just in the Bible. This is not a brother, sister. It is like all through the Bible. So this is not a matter of of am i called to missions this is a matter of am i sent by god okay so the question is not are you called to missions that is not the question the biblical question is have you been sent by god that's the question and that's the question i want us to answer in scripture today okay um, so I, I want to use one more illustration before we dive into Scripture for you to see. Um, can you throw that picture up of uh, D.C.? Anybody ever been to Embassy Row in D.C.? That's a pretty cool place, isn't it? Like, number one, it's just really pretty, like, especially if you go like on a spring day. It's pretty cool. Um, Embassy Row is pretty neat. The thing I love about it is it just reminds me of the city we live in and how many of the nations are represented right here in this city. Okay. But the embassies, guys, in our, moder- in our biblical definitions, even though they don't represent the gospel, they are technically missionaries of their country. They were sent out of their country to come to another place and represent their country and their interests. And guys, that's what we are. Every follower of Jesus is an ambassador of Jesus. We represent Jesus. We represent his interests. And we are not, so, so we are like ambassadors in this world. We have been sent by God to represent his kingdom and his interest in this world, wherever we may have been born and brought up. So I want you guys to, to think through that, that right here in our own city, we have an incredible visual of what it looks like to be sent by God. Okay. So John chapter 17, and let's start in verse 13. John 17, and we're going to start in verse 13. All right, John 17, verse 13. If you're there, say, I'm there. there. All right, listen, this is the prayer of Jesus. Um, A lot of people refer to this as the priestly prayer of Jesus. This is the prayer that Jesus prays before he goes to die on the cross. Now, I would love to read the entire prayer, and really, we could spend a month or two just teaching through this prayer, this priestly prayer of Jesus. So I'm not, I can't do it service today, all right? So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to go home and read it this week, read through, because Jesus actually uses his prayer before he dies on the cross to pray for you. And I think it'd be really cool if you went home and read it this week. So I'm not trying to skip or cherry pick or like not give you the full context. I want you to go home. I want you to read this and see it. But for sake of today's teaching, um, I'm just going to focus on one section starting in verse 13. John 17, 13. Jesus is praying and he says this. But now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves the world has hated them. hmm. i've given them your word and the world has hated them because they come out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one isn't that really good right there Let's stop right there i just want to point out to you this is the best way to pray for missionaries okay so if you're wondering how do i pray for someone who's going on mission this is how Jesus prayed. Jesus didn't say, Lord, keep them safe and protect them, and if things get too dangerous, bring them back home to us, Lord. No, what he said is, I'm not asking you to take them out. I'm just saying keep Satan away from them. Okay, so that's the best way we can pray. It's the best way you can pray for your pastor. I don't want you to pray, God, make Brandon's life so easy. Okay? No, I signed up. For, I'm all in. This is it. I love Jesus so much. But the way you can pray for your pastor's, is to pray, God, keep Satan away from them. Keep the evil one away. All right, verse 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Or you could say, as you have called me to be a missionary... So I am calling them to be missionaries into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Oh, this is so good. Look at verse 20. Man, y'all better underline this, highlight it, get it tattooed later this afternoon. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And if you're able to write, would you just write, that's me? <laughs> Isn't that so cool that Jesus was thinking about you? Not just his disciples, not just those that were physically with him. They said, God, I'm praying this for them, and I'm praying for Impact Church. And I'm praying for Brandon. And I'm praying for all those who are going to believe in me through the testimony. So here's what I want to do today. I want to share with you guys just a few things about missions that we get from the Bible. Now, again, remember, when I say missions, I'm not talking about the way we grew up thinking about missions. I'm talking about being sent by God, okay? I'm talking about where Jesus says, as God, as you have sent me, I am sending them, okay? Uh, that, that is the crux of Jesus's prayer. And we know if Jesus prayed for it, you think God wants to answer that prayer? Yeah, he probably doesn't want to answer all my, my prayers. But he definitely wants to answer all of Jesus' prayers. And so Jesus is praying this. We know, we are guaranteed that that's God's will, that God wants to answer that prayer. So I'm going I'm to make a few points today through this passage, um, and then we'll, we'll wrap up, all right? So if you're taking notes, write this down. This is the first point. I just want to say some of these points are also derived from um, one of my favorite authors who recently passed away, uh, Pastor uh, Tim Keller. Uh, some of you have probably read some of his works. When we started our first church in 2012, um, I googled, how do you plant a church? Um, because I had no idea, and our network had no idea. They, everything about church planting was like to church plant in China or church plant in India. There was nothing about church planting in Washington, D.C. So I googled it and the, about you know, how to plant a church like in a big city or in Washington, D.C. And the first thing that popped up was Tim Keller. And Tim Keller had a church planting manual. And I said, oh, this is great. And it was $20. And so I had to actually call my network and say, hey, um, I'm not getting paid right now. Can I borrow $20 to buy a church planting manual? And they're like, you don't know how to plant a church? Why did we approve you? I'm like, I have no idea, but can I have $20? And they're like, sure, fine, whatever. And, uh, and so I, they gave me $20, and I bought this church planting manual. And uh, what I didn't know is it was $20 for the manual, but then it was $70 to have it printed out. Uh, because this is like, this is 2012, okay? Um, and so I, I went to Kinko's. I don't know if you guys remember Kinko's. It was right next to Blockbuster. And I went inside of, uh, of Kinko's, and I, I got them to print it out. And this church planting manual, guys, is this thick. It's still sitting in my office. And so as I've like been preparing for this and even planting this church, I went back to that first manual. And I was like, man, before there were any books about our church planting was a thing, this guy was doing it in New York City. And so I opened it up and uh, read through, and these are some of the notes that I had highlighted. So even though some of the illustrations and the points are mine, these main points I actually derived from uh, Pastor Tim Keller, all right? So number one, write this down. The result of mission is always joy. The result of mission is always joy. The result of, or you could say the result of being sent is always joy. The result of mission is always joy. Um, I want you to look back up in John 17 and uh, um, go back and look at, um, he says in verse 13, John 17, 13, Jesus says, but now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Guys, I want you to know that when Jesus was going to the cross, like Jesus was about to die and suffer on the cross, and as he was going to the cross, he prayed for joy. Isn't that amazing? Like if I'm going to the cross, I'm praying for protection. I'm praying for every hedge I can find of that protection. I'm praying for miracles. I'm praying for the evil one to be gone. I'm casting out, I'm doing everything I can, right? Jesus is praying about joy. He's talking about joy. Joy is this like inner God-given, can't-take-it-away satisfaction in who God is. In fact, uh, read with me. I'm going to put it up on the screen, but read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews writes. He says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the somebody say it, joy. May y'all say it a little angry. All right, next time say it a little joyfully. The, the joy that was set before him, what did he do? Endured the cross, despised the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I mean, come on. Those things don't match. He says it was for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. I want you to think about that, man. Going to the cross, like if I came and showed you a big crucifix of Jesus dying on the cross, and looked at you and said, now, everybody will stare at that of Jesus dying on the cross, and just think of how joyful that makes you. You'd be like, dude, you're messed up. That's crazy. But guys, it was joy that compelled Jesus to the cross. Not, I have to. Not, oh gosh, gosh, God is going to make me. Or God, am I really called to go to the cross? Maybe I haven't been called to the cross. Maybe, it's just a f- Maybe other people think I'm called to the cross. But I don't know if I'm called to the cross. Like, it was none of that. Guys, knowing the purpose that God had for him, he was able to endure the cross with joy. With joy. And guys, most of us, I believe, who are followers of Jesus, are not joyful people and lack joy in our life because we lack calling. We lack mission. We lack purpose. We lack being sent. The way that you know you're on mission is when you are full of joy. When things are really hard and you go, man, that sounds horrible. And you're able to say, yeah, no, it kind of was now that I voice it, but man, God was just so good. And you're going, you're messed up. Like, that's not how this works. Like, that sounds horrible. Guys, could it be that a lot of us think, that if we surrender to God's plan, that that will strip us of our joy? When in reality, it is the surrender to God's plan that actually brings us joy? Could it be that we actually are depending on things of this world to bring us more joy than full dependence on God? Um, I know this because... (laughs) The other day, I was having a conversation. Zeke was with me. Zeke is my newly formed eight-year-old who loves to tell you that, and he's eight years old now, and he was hanging out with me, and we were talking to a few people, and, um, and I just asked the question, hey, what do you do? Like, what do you do for a job? And they're like, oh, I, you know, I work here. I do this. I work for a defense contractor. I go here and do this, do that, and, um, you know, oh, whatever. And Zeke's like, well, what is it? What is that? What does that do? Oh, it's not very exciting. I just push papers all day and yada yada yada. And now, you know, and, and so then they look down. They look at Zeke, and uh, and Zeke goes, well, when I grow up, I want to be a firefighter. And they were like, oh, really? Why? Why do you want to be a, a firefighter? And he goes, well, because firefighters, they get adventure because they get to put fires out, and they get to help people. And I thought, wow. And he said it with his eyes open and big, and he just kept talking about it and talking about it, and I'm like, Z, be quiet, like, it's, we're done, you know? And he keeps talking about it, talking about it, and these guys over here, they're just sitting back like, "Huh? yeah, yeah. I mean, think about that. Like, no seven-year-old, when you go up to a seven- or eight-year-old and you say, Hey, buddy, or hey, hey, little Susie, what do you want to be when you grow up? They don't go, oh, I just want to push papers at the Pentagon. <laughs> right? Like, nobody says that. Like, when you're like, oh, little Timmy, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, he's not like, oh, I just want to, you know, get to the office at a reasonable hour and get home with a not too bad commute. Like, he doesn't say that. Yet, that is the life we live in Northern Virginia. Why? Because even kids understand mission. Kids understand purpose. Kids understand joy. Because when you ask them what they want to do, they want to change the world and they want to help people. And somehow along the way, we think that being a missionary or being sent by God is going to strip us of our joy. But guys, at the very core, that's what being sent by God is. It is changing the world and helping people through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. Man, Christians on mission joyfully give up comforts, security, financial gain in order to make Jesus famous to their neighbors, to Northern Virginia, and to the nations. And here's what else I know. Nobody can do this joyfully except followers of Jesus nobody because there is no real purpose behind anything because it will all eventually come to an end except the kingdom of god every job represented in this room is going to end except the job and the purpose god has given to you the only thing still standing seven trillion years from now will not be impact church my employer. Will not be any other Christian organization or NGO or non- Even these are all going to go away 2 trillion years from now. All of your jobs, even the United States government, it will go away 2 trillion years from now. The only thing left standing 2 trillion years from now will be God and his kingdom and his church. And so that tells us if you want to experience joy, are you... Filtering and pouring out your purpose into the right things. Here's what else I know. Consumer Christians will never experience God's joy. Because all we do and when we consume is we take. And we take. And we've narrowed church down to A one-hour experience that we experience once a week on Sundays and and a get-out-of-hell-free card, and it really should not interfere with our life outside of that. There is no joy in that life. And so no wonder those people who live that way get burned out with religion. They get burned out with Christianity. They get burned out with church. It takes one incident for them to just give up on everything and everybody. Because they had no joy. Because all they did was consume. Guys, consumerism in the church, treating church, treating Jesus as though you are just here to take and it all belongs to you is, um, is zero joy. You will only experience joy when you are living a life that is sent, that is on mission. Here's number two. Write this down. The power of mission is an encounter with God. The power of mission is an encounter with God. love that it says, if you look back up at John 17, verse 18, in John 17, 18, Jesus says, as you sent me, as you sent me. Jesus is talking to God and he says, God, as you sent me, this is an encounter with God. We don't know full details, but there was a moment where Jesus had an encounter with the father, the son, and the father had an encounter and God sent Jesus. That there was this encounter that they had in which God said, now is the time and sent the son to accomplish his mission. See, guys, we see right here in this prayer that the power of Jesus' mission started with an encounter with God. It started out of a relationship with God. It started out of actually knowing God. So let me just play all of my cards, man. I'm so glad that you guys are here. I'm so glad we're starting this new church. The number one most important thing to me is not more volunteers in our kids' ministry. The number one most important thing to me is not more um, tails in the seats the number one most important thing to me are authentic, legitimate people in love with Jesus Christ. That is it. That is all we care about. I don't walk into staff meeting on Mondays and say, well, what were our numbers? How many people did we have? How many did this do? How many people are serving? What's our community groups look like? I never even ask those questions because I've learned that those will either brighten my day or ruin my day, and it's not worth it. So you know what I do instead? I start off every staff meeting by saying, where do we see God at work? Where's God working? I want to hear it. Tell me stories I didn't get to see on Sunday. Tell me stories I didn't get to see on Thursday. Things that are happening in community groups. I want to hear it. Tell me ways that God is at work because that's what we care about. We don't care that you just go do a bunch of stuff for God. We care that you know God because you can't know God and sit still the truth you know god you will live sent it's just the truth and so our first desire is not for you to just be sent and go on mission trips and do back to school bashes and give out shoes and do this and do that our first because if we're giving out shoes but we don't know jesus we're just giving out shoes But if we're giving out shoes and we've encountered the power of God and we got the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, man, we are change. We are the change that this city needs. All of a sudden, we're rubbing up against cultural problems. All of a sudden, God's people are rubbing up against racism. God's people are rubbing up against sinful habits and addictions. of of alcoholism and pornography, all of a sudden we're out in our community and Christ followers are rubbing up against injustices like homelessness and human trafficking. And man, all of a sudden, because we have the power of God inside of us, man, we have become changers. We have become world changers. We have become impactors. We have become children of God that are actually ambassadors of God. We have brought God's kingdom to Fredericksburg. Man, so if we want to go on mission with God, we've got to encounter God. Um, here's the third thing. You can write this down. The requirement of mission is your personal holiness. The requirement of mission is your personal holiness. If you go back up to John 17... Starting in verse 18, Jesus prays, as you have sent me into the world, so I'm sending them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. That word consecrate means to set apart, to clean, okay? I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. That word sanctified literally means to be made more and more like Jesus, by the truth of Jesus. And so I want you to see that Jesus, when he prays for us to be sent, the condition is, Lord, as you've sent me, I'm sending them, so sanctify them. When we are sent, we are also sanctified. Here's what this means. Your personal holiness matters to the mission of God. Do You want to know what I believe is the number one reason People are not attracted to Christianity anymore? You want to know? This is my opinion. It's not in the Bible. This is just, you get Brandon's opinion. I know that's why you didn't come today, but you're going to get it. My opinion is because they see that it makes no real difference in anyone's life. I got enough going on, man. My kids are in travel sports. I got. Um, I got jobs, I worked 80 hours this week, um, my wife worked 80 hours this week, I've got this going on, and that going on, I've got neighbors, I've got this stuff, I'm in this league, I do this and that, i got to have time to sleep and do stuff for me, like, why would I want to just tack on going to church? Why would I want to tack that on? I've got enough stuff going on in my life. Because what's happened is that the world has started to look and saw that following Jesus actually makes no real difference in your life. They go, man, why would I want to tack that onto my life? It just seems like a heavy burden. But, guys, that's not the good news. And that's not the truth. The good news is that Jesus died, and when we follow Jesus, it changes everything. It changes everything. Guys, when you follow Jesus, you are not the same, it changes your life. And when groups of people come together whose lives have been changed by the gospel, it starts to change communities. And as it changes those communities, it starts to change an entire city. And we happen to live in a city that if it gets changed, it could impact the entire planet. Guys, this is is why Jesus is saying, before your sins, man, I need to do some sanctifying in your heart. Because listen, we don't need more manuals on missions. We don't need more prayer guides on missions. We don't need more sending agencies or organizations on missions. We don't need more, God knows we don't need more conferences on missions. We don't need more training or discipleship workshops on missions. We don't need more books on missions. We don't need more blogs on missions. We need the holiness of Jesus to grab hold of our hearts. That's what we need. Most of the world will never buy Christianity because they've never met a holy follower of Jesus. Just like every other religion. It's a philosophy, it's good for you, it's your truth. It's the end of the day. But guys, that's not the gospel. That is not the Jesus we follow. He is alive. He is real. He changes our hearts. We cannot come and hear about the resurrection of Jesus, know that our sins have been wiped clean and forgiven, and walk out and just act like nothing happened here. Like, it it is an amazing truth. And so, listen, I want to encourage you guys. I want to encourage myself. Man, guys, we, as we are being sent, we need to live holy. The word holy just means set apart. Listen to me. I'm not telling you you got to live perfect. Because then you know what's going to happen? You're going to say, well, I'm not perfect enough to be on mission, so I'm going to wait till I'm perfect. That ain't what Jesus is talking about. The word holy means you are set apart. It means that when you go to work, you are sometimes ostracized because you are so different from everyone else. It means that when you are at school and in your classes, that sometimes when you are hanging out with other friends, that you are sometimes on the outside looking in because following Jesus has set you apart from everybody else. It means that you do not tack on going to church and Christianity and then still live however you want to live. It means you are showing the world that the power of Jesus is real, that he has forgiven you, he has cleaned you up, and he is making you new. That's what we get to show. All right, here's the here's the last Last point, worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up, but you guys don't put your stuff away. I want you to write this down. We are sent by Jesus because he was sent by God. We are sent by Jesus because he was sent by God. We are sent by Jesus because he was sent by God. I want you to see right there in John 17, it says, Jesus, he says, as the Father, as you have sent me. So Jesus was sent by God. Jesus was sent by God to, to show. One of the reasons he came, his purpose, his mission was to show. But what show what? Jesus showed us two things. He showed us love and he showed us truth. And church, if we are out and all we do is show love and you are not speaking the truth of God's word, You are not being sent by God. You might be being sent by a nonprofit, but you are not being sent by God. And if all you do is go out and speak the truth, and you are not loving anyone, you are not meeting any needs or showing any compassion, you're just out there running your mouth, speaking the truth, and you also are not showing them. You also have not been sent by God. You may have been sent by whatever book you've read, but not by God the one sent by God, like Jesus, shows truth and love together. They are the same thing. You cannot separate the two when you're sent by God. But Jesus was also sent by God to save us. And guys, that's the message that we get to proclaim. Do you hear what I said? Not the message we have to proclaim. This is the message we get to proclaim. Guys, we get to tell Fredericksburg and we get to tell Northern Virginia that there is a way out of their sin and their brokenness. You don't have to keep going in your cycle of guilt and shame. There is a way out. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus died to forgive us of all of our sin. And guys, the reason that is is not just to make us perfect, but we can't have sin and relationship with God at the same time. So the main point is not just to make you less sinful. Jesus died to give you a relationship with God. But to do that, he had to wipe away our sin. And that's exactly what God did. God sent Jesus because you are not good enough. I am not good enough. 20 years of ministry is not good enough to have a relationship with God. I needed the sacrifice of Jesus. And you do too. And guys, when we get that, God has cleaned us up and and allowed us to have a relationship with Him, to talk to Him and pray to Him and know Him and love Him and learn Him. And then He sends us out to help other people have this same relationship with God. So I want to encourage you today. If you're like me, and you've used that excuse for too long, oh, I'm not called, guys. Let's throw that in the trash. It's not biblical. It's not true. In fact, Ephesians 4:1 says, "I urge you therefore to uh, live a life worthy of your calling, for you are called by God." So, you know, let's throw that in the trash. Instead, let's say this: God sent Jesus. And Jesus has sent me. Period. You are sent. The questions you can ask are not, am I called? Isn't that so freeing? We can take that off the table. We don't ever have to ask ourselves again, has God called me? Yes. Yes, praise God, yes. The question now is, God, what would you have me to do? I've got this blank check. And I'll go where you send me and I'll say what you tell me to say and I'll do what you tell me to do because the gospel is worth it. So I want to encourage you today, if you're here today and you're struggling with the idea of being called or sent and you go, Brandon, I just don't know if I'm there yet. I'm still nervous. I've still got some insecurities. I'm still wrestling with this. Hey, that's a good place to be, okay? I'm not chastising you. I'm not making you feel guilty. Here's my challenge to you today. Don't start with missions. Start with intimacy with God. Because you don't need me to tell you what to do. I'm just taking my orders from Him. And you have the same relationship with God I do. And you can go to Him. So don't start with missions. Start with relationship and intimacy. Get as close to Him as you can and see what happens. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church sermon podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.